Welcome to Mission Life. This podcast features stories of life lived on mission. My name is Jeff. Thank you for listening. So a couple of years ago, a mosque opened up in our suburban Atlanta community. At first, I didn't really hear any buzz about it. In fact, most people didn't even know where it was. But then I felt led to contact the leaders and set up some meetings. I brought along a few of my friends and we enjoyed some good dialogue about our faiths, our backgrounds, and our cultures. As word got out though, I started to hear some buzz. The reaction among Christians basically fell into two, into two camps. First there was curiosity. What do they like? What do they believe about us? What is their mosque like inside? But second there was fear. No, they will lie to you, I heard people say you know they want to destroy us. Now I get both reactions. I was curious and a bit fearful myself, I must admit. But the question for Christians is this, how can we move beyond mere curiosity and fear to actually engage the Muslims that we might meet and might have as neighbors or coworkers? How can we build bridges between the growing Muslim community and the Christian community? Just, it just helps me work through some of that and continually bringing it back to the cross and saying, I, I know that this is of you. You want me to do these things. You want me to engage these people. You want me to love them. And I might be afraid right now, but I'm asking you to help me push through that and move to the other side. The voice you just heard was from Crystal. This is part two of an interview with her and her husband, Brian. They live in Hamburg, Germany, where they serve refugees from Central Asia, but their story doesn't start in Hamburg. I first met Brian and Crystal when they lived in Atlanta, Georgia. Both had good jobs that they enjoyed. Brian worked with a refugee resettlement organization and Crystal worked with a church. Their two beautiful children were thriving. They had wonderful friends and a great life by all accounts. Brian and Crystal both loved serving people from other countries. But one day the thought entered their mind that perhaps God might want them to serve in another country. But why leave their jobs? Why leave their comfortable home and friends? Well, their short answer is, why not? In 2014, after selling their home and many of their possessions, they found themselves in one of the toughest, most dangerous countries on earth. It was a new world with a new language to learn, culture to understand, and heightened security. Crystal couldn't go out shopping without Brian or a security guard attending her. The children couldn't go outside without being watched. One day, a bomb blast blew out their living room window. It was the furthest place away from the safe, comfortable life they had known. They experienced fear like never before. They learned to trust God like never before, too. And somehow he rewarded them with peace, believing this is the life that God had called them to. Their friends back home worried and prayed every day. But amidst the concern and the fear, Brian and Crystal were making friends. They created memories and grew closer to each other in ways they never thought possible. Now they live in Hamburg, Germany to work among immigrants. Their company sent them there because they anticipated a flood of immigrants from Central Asia. Little did they know what would come, and what we're now seeing is a mass migration. So now all, of the, all that the family has gone through is paying off. They're able to relate to the 
refugee who is afraid. They're able to speak their language, sometimes literally, and they're better able to understand. This is the story of Brian and Crystal, and their experiences have much to teach us. Their story might seem extraordinary, their life much different from your own, but their encouragement is for us all to see opportunities in the ordinary moments, to be open to whomever might be right in front of us. Our encouragement is just as you live your life, as you go about, I think the way if we interpret what the um, um, Great Commission says, you know, it says go, but I, I think literally it says as you are going. So as you're going about your daily life, as you're going to work, as you're going shopping, this is how you go about making uh, disciples and making believers is just sharing who you are. So mm-hmm. if we can build this mindset as to it's who I am and what I'm doing and not something I have to set aside time to do, we'll, we can wrap our heads and around I think it differently. Something yeah. that we've <clears throat> that really drives us now more than anything too is just praying, um, keeping an attitude of prayer. God, you put in my path today who you need me to be loving toward, who you need me to be gentle toward, who I need to speak words to, um, bring people to my mind to pray for, put, you know, a relationship in Brian's path today, maybe that he needs to disciple or, and so I think as you go about your life, yeah, going to baseball, going to grocery shop, um, waiting in the doctor's office, you know, things like that, just asking God, who do you, who do you want me to speak to today? If anybody, maybe it's just God prompts the woman sitting next to you at the doctor's office. God says, pray for her. Pray for her. And maybe what you don't know is that there is a believer in her life and that she needs to listen to. And it's not you, but you need to be praying for her heart to be open. You just, I think, um, going through your day with a more prayerful awareness of just show me how I need to be you today. How do I need to love people today? And sometimes you're going to be called upon to speak. And that's the 20 seconds of boldness. Yeah, and this brings me back to your earlier question. What have we noticed about America being here? Americans are typically friendly. And in the South, it may be even more so. And so, you know, you're you're greeted and and the person checking you out, you can even have a little conversation with them at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. We were doing a little shopping yesterday, and that was the case. The woman, I was paying for some blue jeans that we were buying for the kids. And, you know, she just chatted us up, and she was friendly. I would just encourage you to, to remember that, that mm-hmm. you have that privilege as being an American to, to, to speak and to say kind words, to yeah. hold the door open for someone. That just doesn't happen around the world. So yeah. take advantage of those opportunities to show kindness. You never Especially know. Especially yeah. toward a Muslim person who already probably has experienced a great deal of mm-hmm. prejudice. And mm-hmm. so if you hold a door open for a woman that's covered she's going to feel honored, honored and respected, and respected yeah. and she's going to notice. Yes, absolutely. So I, I, I'm, I guess my encouragement to you as Americans and as Southerners in particular, just be who you are. Yeah. Continue being who you be are. Be nice. Just continue <laughs> being nice. It, it just goes a it long matters. way. It, it really matters. matters. Yeah. But it's in those everyday moments when our often preconceived ideas about people come to the surface. We see a Muslim or someone from another country and images from the news or comments we've heard come rushing to our mind. We might be tempted to draw conclusions about someone just in the way they are dressed or how they look. But having lived in a majority Muslim country, the birds have learned that it's not just us who have preconceived ideas about Muslims. 
just as we have stereotypes and prejudices yeah. about them, they have stereotypes and prejudices about us. They watch American media, they watch American news, and they have this idea that all Americans are this way, that we all have beautiful white teeth and we drive beautiful cars and that we live in large houses. But they also have the idea that we all lead fairly decadent lives mm -hmm. because of what is produced out of Hollywood and out of the media. They all have this idea that we carry guns and we shoot and kill everybody mm -hmm. because that's what is exported in our news and in our media. So they have an idea and a picture of Americans that is not reality. And so the idea of what we talked about a little bit earlier, of bring, letting them see your life yeah. and letting them see your family life and particularly a Christian husband who loves his yeah. wife and, and serves her and is faithful her. to her. And then the way you lovingly discipline your children is going to be different than the way they discipline their children. Yeah. So letting them see that helps to break down some of those prejudices and some of those stereotypes that they have about us. And something else that we found out um, that it's hard for them to differentiate between being an American and being a Christian, because for them, they were born into their Muslim faith. Mm -hmm. They were not given a choice, m most of them. And so for us to talk about the choice that we made to follow Jesus, that just because I was born an American does not mean I'm a Christian, um, that's a big deal. And so helping them see and understand that there's a difference there that not all Americans are Christians and that that's not something that just happens when you're born, that's important to put words to and to help them see mm -hmm. the difference there. And, and again, that's why we're talking about overcoming some of those cultural differences and perceptions that we have is helping them see that's not the case. I made that choice. My family wasn't, you know, my family is believers, but if you come from an unbelieving background, helping them understand that, no, no, I made that choice on my own. Nobody made that choice for me. And I made that choice on my own and my children will make their own choices. My husband made his own choice. That's, that's a big deal because they're not afforded that. So we have ideas, prejudices, if you will, on both sides. How do we get to a place where we can have honest conversations? How does the Christian learn what is true about the Muslim they meet? And how does the Christian help the Muslim learn what is true about Christianity? And I think it's important for us to help them see what's the difference between American culture and Christianity, yes. just as it's important for us to be able to see what is Islam and separate it from their culture. Mm -hmm. And when we moved into Central Asia, that was kind of eye-opening for us, is to see, oh, wow, these things are cultural, these things are Islamic, mm -hmm. and then how do they get meshed together, and then they're not really separated at some point. Now, that happens to us in America as well. What is American culture? And what is Christianity? And and we've, in some ways, messed yeah. that up a little bit here. And you know? I think mm -hmm. that it, it would be important, too, I think, to engage them in conversation and ask them what they think about the extremist or the news or things like that and get their opinion because a lot of them are as horrified as we are. In fact, that we say that we have, we as evangelical believers living in Europe, we have more in common sometimes with our Muslim friends because of their conservative take on yes. life and lifestyle. So our conservativeness of 
social uh, living and social things is similar to theirs, and it puts us apart from the general European. And so we can have a bond there, which seems kind of weird that we would have that in common, mm-hmm. but we do because of the conservative nature of evangelical Christianity and the conservative nature of most Muslims. And so it's an interesting thing to have mm-hmm. that in common with them. Mm-hmm. But just yeah. engaging them in that conversation and getting their mm-hmm. thoughts on that is, I think it's helpful in overcoming some of that fear and listening to them talk about they don't love everything that comes out of the media either yeah. about yeah. Islam or whatever. And so I think that was an important eye-opening moment for us too, that they were just as afraid or concerned as we can be sometimes. And this is, you know, this seems simple, but it's important. When we lived in Central Asia and even now in Europe, it's important for the families that we engage to Mm -hmm. see Crystal be a conservative woman. Okay, now so in Central Asia, she was kind of forced to be covered most of the time. Now her face wasn't covered, but her head, her arms... She was covered. Well, that put forward an image of our family is conservative and we're, we're, we are respectable. We deserve your respect. So you can see how my wife dresses and the way we engage, conduct the, we conduct ourselves in the community. The same thing, though, happens in Europe. If Crystal is dressed more conservatively, now, of course, in Europe, her arms do show and <laughs> she doesn't dress. She's not covered up like we would be in Central Asia. But just a more conservative dress puts her in a position of showing that she's respectable. And then that means I'm respectable. That means the husband can, husbands can look at me and say, oh, this is a man worthy of respect because his household is respectable and those kinds of things. And so I think that when you engage Muslims here, they're going to see that about mm-hmm. you. Oh, look, their children are respectable because you know, they don't dress like what we see in music yeah. videos and so forth and so on. Oh, this family is respectable because they have a, a good household yeah. and they discipline their children appropriately, so forth and so on. That's what that's what we're trying to say there. Yeah. It's kind of weird though when you start to process all of that and tying all these cultural things together and how they do have a good impact though on how we can be a good witness. One of the major concerns I often hear is that we can't distinguish between who is a peaceful Muslim and who is an extremist. But having lived in Central Asia, Brian and Crystal speak from experience on this issue. How do you distinguish? Our answer has to be is that God did not give us a spirit of fear and that we have to um, trust and walk, you know, it, prayerfully walk. Crystal's hit on that a lot. Prayerfully walk and See, who is God asking me to engage? And and the timing, when is he asking me to engage? And then go about it like that. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that we're never afraid. Mm. Jeff, we've had moments of intense fear. Yeah. And so I'm not saying that they won't, that that takes that all away. Mm-hmm. But I think it does just it just helps me work through some of that and continually bringing it back to the cross and saying, I know that this is of you and you want me to do these things. You want me to engage these people. You want me to love them. And I might be afraid right now, but I'm asking you to help me push through that and move to the other side. And God is faithful to do that. So I don't want to give off the image that we're never afraid or that we don't have fear. We do. It's natural, but it it is also something that God has taught us to bring to him and let him 
process with us and to move through. So. And I think sometimes that's a, a tactic of the evil one. He yeah. wants to put fear in us. He wants to plant these seeds of doubt. He wants us to take something that we've heard on the news or something and then blow it up into something that's really not. And then we feed off of that and then we allow that to become something bigger than it should be. So we have to remind ourselves that he does not play fair. And so if he does yeah. not play fair, then I have to go more towards the source of my truth and I have to go more to the cross and more to prayer and to seek God's you know, grace in defeating that evil one. Yeah. We've referenced the verse in first Timothy, you know, God did not give us a spirit of fear. If you read that in context, a couple of verses later, Paul is telling Timothy, suffer with me mm-hmm. for the sake of the gospel. Yeah. Suffer with me. Mm-hmm. And we imagine Paul's suffering and, uh, um, and how even in acts, Jesus sends the disciples right back to the place of his yeah. his crucifixion where they were hated. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he sends them right. to Samaria mm-hmm. where they hated them. Yes. Yeah. 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 So yeah. In, in God's wisdom, mm-hmm. he sends us to difficult places mm-hmm. and it calls us to difficult things. Yeah. You know, and, and Crystal, I don't want to negate the fear or negate right. the um the lack of safety, if you want to put it that way. But at the same time, that cannot be what we allow ourselves to focus on all the time. The, we have to focus on the bigger picture. Yeah. 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 I don't want to make anybody feel guilty for fear. I certainly mm-hmm. have that. But I do think through prayer, like Crystal, mm-hmm. you both have said, yeah. and taking that to God, not just being mm-hmm. okay with the fear, not, not yeah. trying to find information that validates my fear. Yeah. Because fear leads to isolation, mm-hmm. I think. What an opportunity. The nations have come here. Yeah. yeah. Through all that they have experienced and learned, even though it has come with great challenges and doubts along the way, Brian and Crystal would tell you that there is a blessing on the other side. It's worth it to cross the cultural and religious barriers to engage your Muslim neighbor, though it may come at great cost. And we've been the recipients of some amazing relationships. Um, We've been the recipients of just the opportunity to share truth and just to it's a great joy and what a great privilege to get to that point. And so, yeah, yeah, pushing past some of that fear, pushing past that 20 seconds of boldness, and then reaping some wonderful, amazing friendships and And relationships. If you flip that, you know, they're taking a risk being friends with us. They don't know us. And so I think when you start looking at things from a different side, you realize, you know, I have the privilege of being their friend. You know, they're, they're not privileged to know me. I'm privileged to know them and have a relationship with them. Yeah, we, yeah, we definitely experienced that in Central Asia and we experience it in, in Germany is that we know that the friends that we are making, they have to count a cost because their circle of friends look at them and say, whoa, you're friends with a Westerner. I saw you going into their compound and that can cause stress and that can cause persecution to come on them just by being our friends. And I would say that that could even happen here in the States and it probably does. You reach out and become friends with one of your Muslim neighbors, more than likely one of their Muslim friends, acquaintances is going to question them and look at them and say, why are you becoming friends with Why are you becoming friends with that American? I saw you going into that American's home. Why are you hanging out with that American? They will have to count the cost of becoming your friends, just like you will have to count the cost of becoming their friend. It goes both ways, and we forget that that happens, that persecution does happen here in the States. Many Muslims who become believers, both in Europe and here, they're persecuted. 
And we don't think about that. This is America. It's free. You can have any religion you want. Muslims will put pressure on Muslims who even investigate Christianity or who become believers. They will threaten them. They will say they will threaten them physically, and even their families back in their home countries can be threatened as well. So they have to count the cost of becoming just your friend, but then a huge cost if they want to convert. And I think that's where our love for them can play a huge part is mm-hmm. just loving them and accepting them and just, yeah, it's it's like a salve for their souls sometimes when they just, they you know, we need to we need to be the love of God to them. I don't know about you, but anytime I attempt something new, I want to learn from those who have tried it before. Maybe you're listening to this podcast and saying, this sounds interesting, but where can I learn more? Well, fortunately, there is a growing library of resources to help Christians and Muslims have conversations. Well, I've recently read a great book for women called Woman to Woman by Joy Lowen. It's excellent, and it really addresses ministering to Muslim women in North America. And she's all about relationship and reaching out to neighbors and things like that. And it's a fantastic resource that I think if there are women here that have interest in, well, how, how do I do that? I, I, have a, I have been praying, and God has given me compassion, but I'm not sure where to start. That would be a great book to read. Um, an author that I'll recommend, and I won't remember the name of his books. He's actually written several. Amir Cantor, C-A-N-T-O-R. So if you'll Google him, several different books there. He is a Muslim background believer, and I recommend his works. Uh, another book by the title of Wind in the House of Islam. And now I forget the author of that one, but again, a quick Google search, Wind in the House of Islam. You'll find that good places to start um, if God is leading you into the area of engaging, particularly yeah. your Muslim neighbors. Yeah. We're just grateful to be here, grateful yeah. to be part of the fellowship here in Dunwoody and for the love and support that we get. We know that we, we are not able to do what we do without people praying for us yeah. and supporting yeah. us and loving us. And so we, it, it, it just encourages us when we hear stories of folks here in this fellowship or our friends mm-hmm. and family back home who are engaging those around them, yeah. whether they be, you it know, doesn't matter from, who they yeah, are. It, yeah, it's great encouragement to us. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. And, I living think, on mission. Yeah, living just on mission. remembering yeah. too that God does the work. It's not up to us. That's right. God He's gonna do it. Yeah. And so there's no there's no fear in that too. Yeah. So what's your response? What will you do? It's not always easy to move beyond curiosity or fear to actually do something, especially when perhaps those around you might think you're crazy or encourage fear in you. And perhaps this reaction to Muslims is a generational thing. As I thought more about it, I realized that my kids or even teens today will be much more accustomed to having Muslim friends and maybe even more comfortable with Islamic culture. They are already, in fact. But if this is new and you feel a little uncertain, it's okay. God's at work. You likely have people from other nations right in your neighborhood. Learn from practitioners like Brian and Crystal. They speak from experience. They know what it's like. They know the fear, the perceptions we may have of Muslims or anyone of another culture or religion. But through their story, we've learned to bring our perceptions to God, seek His ways of seeing others, asking Him for opportunities to learn and love. We've learned to take 20 seconds of boldness to start a conversation, to consider not just our own perceptions, but 
Also, how they perceive us and the risks they may take in becoming our friend. Ultimately, we're called to love, not fear. Thank you for listening to Mission Life. That's it for this episode. Subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also find these episodes on my blog at jeffreams.com with brief show notes. That's it for now. May you be blessed as you seek to live the life of mission with Jesus every day.